0: So here we are in Exodus 34. Um, In Exodus 33, we saw Moses being called back up to Mount Sinai. We know that he had gone up to receive the Ten Commandments and uh, a lot of instructions for the nation of Israel and so forth. Um, The people got restless waiting for him to come back down. And instead of Aaron, uh, the the high priest, instructing them and encouraging them to wait, uh, rebuking them, and uh, in, in, in them getting anxious and whatnot While at the same time encouraging them He gave in to their desires to make their own God And listen, as I've said many times If you ever have to make your own God That's a pathetic God uh, I want to worship the God who made me And the God who laid down his life for me uh, But they went down that road We know that they made that golden calf And listen, they, they, they fell head first Into debauchery and to sin and rebellion After God had just miraculously delivered them out of Egypt through that shed blood of a lamb that we kind of touched on in communion, uh, through, you know, at all of those signs and wonders that he brought there uh, to Egypt and those plugs he brought upon Egypt, uh, he had provided for them, and yet how quickly they had forgotten and how quickly they had gone back to their own ways. Uh, so God had uh, sent Moses down to bring a correction. We, we read about that. And then in chapter 33, it was a call to come back up. And we pick it up here in chapter 34. And this this chapter is just loaded with just all kinds of truths, encouragements, exhortations, um, things to equip us with in our walk with the Lord. Uh, Absolutely, it's got rebukes and corrections that we need as well. Uh, I think the, the two things that you really see standing out, in this chapter is is the reverence we should have for God's word. And and just uh as Moses would receive it once again and then deliver the command of God to the people. He didn't get something from the Lord, then taint it with his opinion or his feelings or whatever else. And let's face it, we're living in a day where most people's God is their belly and they're led by their feelings and their emotions versus uh truth in general and and uh versus the truth of God's word which stands forever and ever and ever. We don't want to fall into that place. So it's a reminder to us tonight to absolutely let's take our emotions and feelings and ideas and, and test them up to the word of God. And if they're contradictory to God's word, uh, let's, let's, let's understand that our own hearts can deceive us. In fact, the scripture says our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And so we need to take all our thoughts captive to, to the word of truth We also see in this chapter real encouragement of blessings that come with obedience. And listen, in Christ Jesus, we're blessed. And if he's your Lord and Savior tonight, you are blessed. We are blessed to be covered by his grace. And God is faithful to us when we are faithless. And yet, there are still great blessings found in obeying the Lord. And walking what he's called us to walk in. And keeping short accounts. And we see that reiterated throughout this passage as well. So let's dive right into it. For the most part, we'll take a verse or two at a time. A little bit of commentary and teaching. And we're going to try to make our way, make our way down through, through the whole chapter. And if we have some time at the end, we'll, we'll break up into some prayer groups. I don't know if we'll have that tonight. Just with communion. It takes a little more time when we do that uh, once a month on Wednesday night. So it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these, on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets. Notice here, which you broke. And we know initially... Uh, we don't read about initially when Moses went up, him bringing two stones. It seems initially when he went up, God had those stones cut and wrote on them for Moses. And then remember, in the process of being there with the Lord on Mount Sinai, again, the Lord said, hey, get down because these people, you know what, they're unrestrained. And we spent a lot of time talking about what that means, and I want to talk about that again tonight. You can go online and listen to that. Uh, But basically, they were in a place where they were in great rebellion. So you need to go down and deal with them. And then we saw Moses, without seeing what they were doing, make intercession for them. As the Lord was talking about just smiting them and wiping them off the face of the earth. And Moses made intercession. He prayed for them. He prayed in line with God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to make Israel a great nation. That out of that nation would become the Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw Moses there as a type of Jesus Christ. Interceding for the people. I remember Moses later on says, a prophet will be raised up like me, whom you listen to. And Moses is a type of Christ. He's not Jesus Christ, but he was a type. He was a deliverer, painting a picture for them of how the Messiah would be when he would come, that he would make that way of deliverance from our sins. And so he made that intercession, but he didn't actually see what they were doing. But he got further down that mountain, and he actually saw what was going on. And when he actually saw with his eyes what was going on, it rocked him to the point where he threw down God's word and he broke it out of an anger of what was happening. And we talked a little bit about that, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, just on the fact listen, there's a lot of things that are done, that, that are practiced, that are lived out in this world that we are living in that is gross rebellion against God. And for the most part, the people that participate in those different things, they know the hardship that comes with it, a lot of these lifestyles and so forth. But we're living in a culture that wants to glamorize so many of these rebellious acts and actions and activities. We get get continually, there's a continual effort to try to brainwash people that sin is something that is good, sin is something that is profitable. And listen, sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end of it is death. And when Moses actually saw what was going on, Listen, again, he reacted a little differently then he was just hearing about it. And we just need to know, listen, God hasn't called us to be a, a people who necessarily have to go out and investigate every evil out there. We're to be innocent concerning evil, but at the same time, we're not called to be naive and ignorant. And if you're in a place tonight where, with some of these sins, with some of these sexual sins, listen, it, when it comes to even like the sin of homosexuality, it's been so glamor glamorized, it's just a wonderful thing. Listen, that is a, is a horrific lifestyle to be part of. Just so you know, the average homosexual man dies at 40 years old because of the, the abuse, because of the, the disease and so forth. But it's all put forth as, as, as such a glamorous thing. I know with a lot of young people, with myself growing up, it was that age of, of, of gangster rap exploding. And I lived in a community that I saw go from there being gangs that were uh, generational gangs that took care of their business but kind of minding their business to everyone wanting to be a gangster and literally they want to be gangsters. Then you start seeing people die and die young. And, And because, again, it was put forth as a glamorous thing. And praise God, I've seen many people come out of that that went and tasted it for many, many years and finally said, listen, this isn't what it was put forth to be. I want out. And so let's be innocent concerning evil, but let's not be ignorant. Let's know and understand in this day that we're living in, when sin is trying to be put forth as such a good thing and a glamorous thing, and then we're trying, to, the, the world and the enemy works hard, then to try to shame those that want to say, listen, this is wrong. Let's not fall into that. Because there are so many people that are locked in these things that the Lord loves tremendously. Listen, He loves every homosexual on the face of the earth, every gang member on the face of the earth, every drug addict and so forth. He went to the cross to die for them. But the last thing they need is for us to begin to turn a blind eye and begin to accept these things as okay when they're not. Just as our sin, whatever it was before we came to Christ, was not, was it? It needed to be, for, it needed to be repented of I and mean, We needed to have our sins forgiven and washed, and we needed to be uh, covered by the blood of the Lamb. And, and that's just a stood out to me Throughout this whole thing, when Moses saw it, again, he threw down those stones and broke it, and it was a little different than when he just heard about it. And so uh, he broke those stones, and now he has to make his own this time. So I guess there was even consequences to him breaking stuff. It was one of those things, you break it, you buy it. So now he has to go up with the two cut stones. In verse 2, he says, So be ready in the morning and come come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain, and no man shall come up with you. Let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before the mountain. So again, this was a high priority. Moses needed to get back up the mountain to take care of business. God's word was a high priority. God was a high priority. He said, you need to, need to get up and get on it. And indeed, Moses did. And listen, the Lord needs to be first in our life. That's, that's where he belongs, first in our life, amen? He also said, keep the people away from the mountain." Because remember, they were a people with faith, but they were still a people who had not had their faith fulfilled. They offered sacrifice for their sin, but that sacrifice was not fulfilled until hundreds, and in this case, some thousands of years later, when Christ actually died on the cross for them. And it just shows the holiness of God. Don't even come near the mountain, otherwise they're going to be slain because they are still in their sin, and their faith is not fulfilled. And we need to know, listen, God's a holy God. Again, we're living in a day where people make light of sin and they make light of the Lord. They make light of the holiness of God. So many people run around and they think, you know what, God's just like me and his standard's my standard and my gospel's his gospel and my gospel is if I do a little more good than bad, I'm gonna be okay. Listen, God is holy. God dwells in unapproachable life. God is light. He is without sin and unless we are covered by a sinless sacrifice in the Lord Jesus Christ... We're going to spend eternity separated from him in a place that Jesus Christ talked about more than any other place called hell. But God does not want people to go there. That's why he sent his son. That's why the Lord came, to fulfill the justice demanded by the Father, that the wrath of God could be taken off us and we could be covered by the grace of God. And that is good news tonight. And if you haven't called on the name of the Lord, listen, today's the day of salvation. It's time to repent. It's time to turn from whatever your Lord is and we all got one, and to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse four, so he cut two tablets of stone like the first one. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai. Notice here, as the Lord commanded him, and he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. So the Lord said, go do this, and Moses did it. He cut the stone, he rose early, he went up, he took them in his hands, and he did it as the way the Lord commanded him to do it. And I just think back to a scripture we look at oftentimes, James 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. And I just encourage you tonight, if you're one that loves to hear the word, and I would think you're here maybe in part because you love to hear the word, the word rightly divided, which by God's grace it will be tonight, that's a wonderful thing. But if we're not doing what we're hearing, we are under self-deception. And we're in a place where we are delusional. And so, listen, we want to hear God's word, but we also want to act on God's word. We want to act in faith on what God has called us to do. We don't want to be in a place where we are just deceived. And yes, he has called us to be in his word. That's one of the things he's called us to do. So in a way, when we hear the word, we are in a way doing what the word's called us to do. And the fact we're hearing it, and it's a wonderful thing. We're called to fellowship. Tonight we are in part doing what God's called us to do. But then he wants us to go do what he's called us to do tomorrow morning when the alarm clock goes off and you've got to go to that place where you don't like to go and spend eight hours all day. You know that place? I won't, we'll just leave it at that. And he wants us to shine for him there. So on and so forth. And listen, he wants to help you in doing what he's called you to do. There's nothing that he calls you to do that if you won't step out of faith, he won't empower you to do it. He absolutely will. Verse 5, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now notice here, the Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord. Let's do the same. Let's be found a people proclaiming the name of the Lord. And notice verse 6, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. So he proclaimed the name of the Lord, and this is how he proclaimed that the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Aren't those wonderful things? It's a wonderful thing that our God is merciful. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. He's gracious. Grace, and grace has even a broader, so much more than this. We're going to talk about grace a lot on this Sunday morning. But grace is is getting what you don't deserve. He's long-suffering. He's patient. Has not God been patient with you? Was he not patient before You came to that place. Listen, if you haven't put your trust in the Lord, God has been patient and long-suffering. He wants to see you come to that place of calling on his name. And absolutely, he abounds in goodness. He abounds in truth. There is no shadow of turning him. There's no darkness. It's impossible for God to lie. Notice verse 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. So he's merciful, he's gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth and he stands ready to pour out that mercy and forgiveness on the from forgiveness from iniquity iniquity transgression and sin on any who will ask for it first john says if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness but notice next it says by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So in other words, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's long-suffering, he is good, he's abounding in truth, and he stands ready to forgive any that will ask, but by no means is he going to clear the guilty. By no means is he going to clear those that say, I'm not going to come and bend knee to Jesus Christ, ask for his forgiveness and put my faith in him. But there's a lot of people who think there's all kinds of means all roads lead to heaven, so many people say. Well, they're all right. They all lead back to the judgment of God, but only one leads us into his presence where we will have everlasting fellowship with them in a world that will no longer be tainted by sin that brought forth death and war and tragedy and injustices and the death of children and sickness and abusers and everything else the list just goes on and on and on those things came when man sinned in the garden when man said i will be my own god and if there's people thinking that they're gonna find forgiveness by another means they won't there's only one mediator between man and god it is the man jesus christ unfortunately for those that shun them there's a trickle-down effect on their children Listen, if you raise your child in a sinful home, chances are that sin is going to affect that child that's being raised in that household of rebellion. Our kids learn from us, don't they? We learn from our parents. When was the first time you said something? You said, oh my gosh, I sound just like my dad or just like my mother. We learn from them. Maybe that was good. Maybe that was bad. I don't know. That's, you know, each situation is a little bit different. But again, it's a call to repent, it's called call to get right with God, not only for your sake, but for your children's sake. I mean, would any of us wish our children to live a life of rebellion, to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, and then spend an eternity under his wrath because of pride that they learned from us, and an unwillingness to call out upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is truth here. Again, these stones were cut. These things were being written for their learning and for ours as well. Verse 8, so Moses made haste and bowed down his head towards the earth and worshiped. And again, he is here in the presence of a holy God. He does not put off worship of the Lord. He's seeing the majesty of God, the holiness of God, the awesomeness of God. And he falls on his face and he worships. And listen, let's make sure we are not growing dull to the holiness of God, the majesty of God. Tonight, if you are, if you've lost the fear of God, if you've gotten a hardened heart, I just encourage you to get alone before him and ask him to restore a heart of worship to you. Maybe you just become cynical or sarcastic. It's easy to grow cynical and sarcastic in this world today, is it not? Listen, God understands that, the Lord knows that. But don't hide that from them and don't justify it. There's a lot of people, they get to a place where they're just cynical or sarcastic or hard, hard-hearted hard and they feel like it's justified because of things that have maybe happened to them. It's not justified. Again, without the grace and mercy of God, we're nothing. Look at all the goodness that God has given to us. And if your heart has gotten to that place where you're not making haste to bow down and to honor Him and worship Him, I can encourage you enough to get before him and ask him to soften your heart and to get back to thinking on who he is in his scripture and all the goodness that he has given to you and all the grace and mercy that he has shown you to be thankful and to count our blessings. Verse nine, then he said, if now I found grace in your side, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us even though we're a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. This is an awesome prayer. It's such a good prayer. Basically, Moses is saying, "Listen, Lord, you, you, we know that we are sinners, but we greatly need you, and we're asking for you to bless us and go before us, despite us." Oftentimes, listen, Sunday morning, I'm in my office and I'm prepping to come over here and preach. I know it's 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 you know what it's going to be a grind. I know there's going to be spiritual warfare. And my prayer is, Lord, please use me to spite me. <laughs> use me to spite me. And i got to get my eyes on the Lord. Use me to spite me. Go before me. If you don't go before me into that pulpit, I don't want to go into it. That's a, that's a recipe for disaster. And listen, I say that to his praise and his glory and his honor, not out of some sort of false, you know, sniveling, false humility, but just the fact that, listen, We need him to go before us. And the beautiful thing is that he wants to go before us despite us. And he wants to bless us despite us. Um, He gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And then notice he says, Take us on as your inheritance. And the beautiful thing is, scripturally, you know what? We're his inheritance. Isn't that an awesome thing to know? We're his inheritance. And listen. He's our inheritance. So oftentimes people talk about how awesome heaven's going to be and wealth, and there's books written on it. There's going to be sports in heaven, and there's going to be, you know, uh, all these pleasures in heaven, and we're going to float around and all this kind of stuff. You know what your your greatest inheritance in heaven is going to be? It's going to be God. You and the Lord. The God who made you a perfect fellowship, a perfect relationship, He is our inheritance. We're his inheritance. I think we got the better part of that bargain, don't you? Verse 10, and he said, behold, I make a covenant before all your people, and I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Listen, they had already seen Awesomeness. They had already seen great marvels. The Lord is basically saying, listen, walk in this covenant. You're going to see more of them. And I know there's a lot of people, they chase after signs and wonders and so forth. Don't do that. Listen, seek after the Lord and those things, they're going to follow in God's perfect timing and so forth. Uh, I, I, I know this, in the years I've been blessed to walk with the Lord, it seems as more years pass by, the more I marvel. At the awesomeness of God, seeing his faithfulness, seeing, you know, his word played out, seeing his truth just unfold. And listen, for them, they had seen great marvels, they had seen awesomeness, they were going to see more. I mean, Moses is up this mountain right now, he's going to go 40 days and 40 nights without food or water, that's called a miracle. But for us, listen, we're going to see him personally. I marvel at God's goodness to me. I marvel at God's goodness to my family. I marvel at how he has taken things that seemed so bad at the time and been true to his word and working it for good and for his glory. And I know there's some things I still haven't figured out how this is good, but I have the confidence in seeing his track record to know that it's going to be used for good, to see that played out in other people's lives. And I know this, that our Lord is coming soon, and that's going to be an awesome and a marvelous thing That we're going to see unfold. I know there's so much prophecy unfolding in the world today. It's awesome. It's marvelous. And and we ain't seen nothing yet. Verse 11. Observe what I command. Now notice this call to observe. We're looking at the command. We're looking at the word. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out before uh, uh, from you the from before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. So obey my commands and listen. Good things are going to follow. These were a rebellious people. These were a people that practiced child sacrifice. They were a people that worship demons. They were a people that had occult practices. They were a people that were in gross rebellion against God Almighty. They had been given many opportunities to repent. They rejected it. They had shunned the mercy and grace of God. Now they had heaped up the judgment of God upon them. God was using Israel in part to bring that judgment. And the Lord says, just obey me and I'll drive them out before you. You won't have to worry about them obey me and good things will follow that's what he's saying here and listen in our life again we're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and then we got a call to walk in the things of the Lord and there's always a temptation not to do that isn't there and boy the enemy does a does a, 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 a banged up job in making sin look so alluring but when we obey the Lord God Almighty, listen, there's blessings that come with it. And just as he's saying, I'm going to drive out the enemy before you. When we draw near to the Lord and we say, let's do things God's way. There is a, 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 a fortified hedge of protection around us that absolutely God puts there. It's not to say there won't be spiritual warfare or not and whatnot but absolutely god almighty will go before us in these spiritual conflicts that we are in james 4 7 therefore submit to god resist the devil and he'll flee from you we're not talking about canaanites here we're talking about demons demons were working through canaanites Demons want to be active in your life. They want to deceive you. They want to lead you astray. And again, there's always going to be a spiritual warfare. But we need to know when we submit to God, when we say, Lord, let's do things your way. I want to yield to you. And that's the best way to resist the devil is to yield to the Lord. The Bible says he's going to flee. He flees from the light. But if we want to shun the Lord, Ephesians 4, 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. If we want to make provision for sin and shun the Lord and not do business with God and bringing our struggles before Him and so forth, there's going to be spiritual strongholds to take root in your life and in your home. There's blessings that come with obedience. He's encouraging them in that. Listen, His commands are not to take away from us, they're to bless us, amen, obey what I command you. And I'm going to drive out the enemy before you. You don't even need to do anything. You can just stand there and watch. This cord keeps slipping here. Going like that. Verse 12, take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going Lest it be a snare in your midst. So again, it goes along with this. Obey me and I will drive them out. But if you don't, if you don't take heed to your heart and you go and you take, you know what, you, you, you make a covenant with them, you enter into a, a, a agreement with them, it's going to become a snare to you. It's going to become a trap to you. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Again, a lot here about self-deception tonight. Be doers of the word, not merely hearers deceiving yourself. Then we see here, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good habits. He says, if you make provision for this stuff versus driving it out, it's going to affect you. Verse 13, but you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So the Lord's saying, listen, you need to go in and wreck this place. Their are altars. their are sacred pillars that had to do with their sexual perversions. their phalluses and so forth. And you see these things all around the world today. They're still built to this day, sacred pillars. There's one in Washington, D.C. They're all over the place. Whether you know it or not, the thing out here, you're going to go, The thing out here that the radio tower's on, that we put that cupola on, this was a Mormon church, that's a sacred pillar that was built for their worship. Now listen, that's just, I look at that, for me, that's just a a stack of bricks up there that's been prayed over and so forth and turned into an antenna to broadcast the gospel of Jesus Christ over the North County. So we thought about breaking it down, but instead we, we converted it. But listen, he says, obey me, go down and destroy this stuff. Because if you leave this stuff around, if you let idols, if you let these things linger, they're going to consume you in the day of weakness. You know that day? We're familiar with that day, right? You have that day where you're strong in the Lord and you're doing so good and you're like, I'm a child of God, I'm never going back to those things. Then tomorrow comes and you hit a bump in a road. And then all of a sudden that temptation comes in. And because you have allowed those things to continue to lay lay around, it's easy access. And the next thing you know, you're participating with the very thing that you hate. So he says to go cut it down, it's called preventative maintenance. It's called safeguarding your walk. And then he says, you're not going to worship any other God. The Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that God is jealous for us. That when we enter into relationship with them, we enter into a covenant. And, and that's likened to the marriage covenant. And listen, any man worth his salt, if someone else comes along and starts trying to lead their, his wife astray, if he doesn't have any emotions or any, 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 any response to that, You know, that dude needs to get kicked in the rear end. That's your wife there. You're in a covenant. You should be jealous because you know you can love her better than anyone else, and what you have for her is better than what anyone else can give to her. Whether that's true or not, who knows? But that should be at least the way that you think. And listen, God knows what he has for us is better. He's the one that made us. He's the one that laid his life down for us. He's the one giving us breath in our lungs and so forth. And then these demons come along trying to pretend to be God themselves or a type of God leading people astray. And God in his jealousy says, I'm going to track you down and I'm going I'm to deliver you out of that. Aren't you glad he's a jealous God? He's not a deadbeat God. He'll leave the 99 to go find that sheep that's gone astray. Verse 15, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and one of them invites you to eat of a sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. Notice this pattern here. He says, obey me and I'll drive them out. And if you don't obey me and you let them linger... You're going to enter into fellowship with them, and the next thing you know, you're going to be playing the harlot with them, making sacrifices with them, and God forbid, taking their daughters for your sons and giving your sons to their daughters. Again, we see the trickle-down effect. It's a call to be in the world, but not of it. Listen, there should be no such thing as radical Christianity. There should just be Christianity. Where he's our Lord, he saved us, and now we follow him, right? But how many times do we shun what he's called us to do? And man, there's consequences in it. Not only for us, but for our own children. This is serious business here. And again, God's not putting a heavy yoke on him. He's just say, listen, do what I say and I'll, I'll take care of the dirty work. That's a glorious thing. But if you don't, you're going to get dirty is what he's saying. Verse 17, you shall make no molden gods for yourself. And again, why would you want to? Why would you want to make a god and worship it? And yet, listen, to this day, mankind does it all the time. We worship the works of our hands, the things that we do, giving them precedence over the Lord. Verse 18, the feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I command you in the appointed time of the month of Abib, for in the month of Abib you came out of Egypt. And the feast of unleavened bread, it it was there with the Passover. It was to remind them that they were brought out of Egypt through the shed blood of a lamb. It was telling them that they were to leave the sins of Egypt behind. Leaven is a picture of sin, to eat unleavened bread for seven days, to remind them of that, but also to point them to the coming Lord Jesus Christ, that he would fulfill the Passover. He says in 19, all that open the womb are mine, and every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep, but the firstborn of the donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Donkeys are a lot harder to come by the lambs. And God was being gracious. Redeem the donkey's life with a lamb. You got all kinds of lambs, not a lot of donkeys. And if you will not redeem him, then you shall break his neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. God was saying, listen, you need to give of your first to me. And there's a lot of people that get hostile with that concept, but we got to understand everything that we have is from God. The Lord was telling him, listen, obey me. Take a step of faith. Acknowledge me in what you have because all you have has been given to you by me. And listen, throughout the word of God, Old and New Testament alike, we're told if, if, we, if we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. I know there's a lot of, a lot of lying pastors that manipulate those concepts to, to take care of weak-minded and unstable people. And that's what you usually find in those money churches uh, individuals aren't grounded in the word, uh, being manipulated by some guy driving a Rolls Royce or whatever, and you're like, how stupid can you be? And I don't want to call those people stupid, but definitely they're under a deception. And maybe they're just because they're flesh, they're, they're, they're looking at church like a lotto ticket or something. But we don't want those individuals to take away truth that's in the Scripture. The Lord's saying, listen, honor me first, and I'm going to take care of you. Obey me and you'll be blessed. You won't miss that lamb because I'll replace it with more. You're not going to miss the firstborn because as you take the firstborn of the womb when you dedicate it to me, I'm going to bless that womb all the more, you know, in the days to come. It's an act of faith. It's an act of worship. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He says, none shall appear before me empty-handed. Again, everything in our hands is given to us by God, and then they're going to go worship with nothing in their hands to give back to God? That doesn't sound worthy of the call of Christ, does it? Now, I know individuals that get hostile with these things, even though the scripture is full of these truths, and they probably do it in part because of people that distort these things and take advantage of others. But I know this, everyone that I ran into that is in life that's made a point to me that you know, we don't need to give to God. We're not called to give to God. And actually, you're, you, don't, you don't need to. We're saved by grace through faith. We get to. And it's part of a call. We're called to, to, listen, imitate the Lord. And the Lord gave, he became poor so we could become rich spiritually. But everyone I know that practices, I'll call it empty-handed worship, I have found them to be inept and powerless in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that I'm trying to judge their heart, but listen, there's some things that, that you just see it, right? They're inept and they're power, powerless. They don't have they're not endowed with the, with the unction of the Holy Ghost because they don't even want to give unto the Lord the material things that are going to perish that God has so lavished upon them. We get robbed. And listen, this isn't, we're not going to have a money drive here tonight. If you want to give to the Lord, give to the Lord. And if you don't, listen, especially begrudgingly, don't. The Lord always provides. He always provides. But it may be tonight that you have an inept, powerless Christian life because you want to worship the Lord with empty hands. And first of all, he says to present our body a living sacrifice And then he has called us, even as New Testament believers, to give of our first fruits. I'll get into that in a second here. Let's try to put this in a little bit of overdrive here. I want to get through the chapter. Verse 21, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, and plowing time and harvest time you shall rest. Now, we talked a lot about the Sabbath. We know as New Testament believers, the Sabbath is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Lord had called them to rest on the seventh day. He had called them to do that, but it'd be easy in plowing time and harvest time to say, we don't got time to rest. We don't got time to obey the Lord because we're really busy with all this stuff. And again, that's a lot of people's lives. The movers and the shakers, the VIPs, they're going out getting all this stuff down so they don't—they—they they say they know the Lord, but they don't got any time for God because they're really important. That's just a flat lie. That's a lie the enemy wants you to believe so that you live a life that does not honor the Lord. You live a life of of powerless Christianity and so forth. Listen, if God has put you in an important place, it's all the more you need to obey him and honor him to empower you in what you're doing so that you can shine for him. Don't fall into that temptation to think, well, now I'm real important. All this stuff's more important than honoring the Lord and spending time with the Lord, why the enemy just just ha- has snared so many people with, with with thinking aimless conduct is more important than worshiping God Almighty, and so he told them, "Listen, rest in plow time, rest in the harvest, and every time they obeyed when it come to the harvest and so forth, again the windows of heaven would open; they couldn't contain the blessing. But remember for. For, for uh, 490 years, they did not let the land rest as God told them to do every seven years. And what happened? They went into captivity for 70 years because the Lord said, listen, you're not going to let it rest. You're not going to steal from me. The land's going to rest. You're going to go into captivity for 70 years, and so we'll make it rest that way. Wouldn't it have been better just to obey the Lord? Who wants to go to jail for 70 years? When it said you could obey the Lord and be blessed for 70 years. 22, and you shall observe the feast of weeks... The first fruits of wheat harvest, the feast of engathering at the end of the year. The feast of weeks was fulfilled at Pentecost, at the birth of the church. And the feast of engathering is yet to be ultimately fulfilled. That is when the Lord is coming for His church, the rapture of the church. And yet, listen, He, he is coming soon. Not my words, His. 23. Three, three times a year, all, you, all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times a year. Again, come up three times a year. I'm going to increase your borders, and no one's going to covet your land. If you say, I'm going to take time to go worship the Lord three times a year with, with my brothers in the Lord. It's important that we're in fellowship with one another. Listen, men, I know I know it's very easy for men to isolate themselves. Very, very easy to do for most men. Myself, I could probably live in a in a shed on a hill somewhere and be alone for the rest of my life and think that I'm fine, though I would not be healthy there. Proverbs eighty one a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all all wise judgment. Listen to Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And listen, it's important that we come together. And again, they were to come together before the Lord. Guys just getting together without the Lord, yeah, that can be a little different outcome. But when grown men get together and humble their hearts before the Lord, let me tell you, wonderful things happen when they appear before the Lord. And they lay all their pretense and their hypocrisy and, you know, their efforts to impress one another. They say, listen, we're a bunch of sinful men. Let's worship God and let's open the word of God and pray for each other and encourage one another. Wonderful things happen. They said, do this three times a year. Listen, Saturday mornings of men's breakfast, come join us. 25, and you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice of leaven, nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left to mourning. And again... Passover was about, again, a, a spotless lamb taking away their sin. It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we're not to mix truth, God that abounds with truth, with, with, with sin, with compromise and so forth. Like, you know, you read about the Laodicean church lukewarm. It's all mixed with the word of God and man's opinion. If you've been putting your opinion and your feelings over God's word... You're being deceived. You need to judge those things by God's word, not mix them in. Finally, uh, well, not finally, but we're getting to close here. 26, notice here again, the first of the first fruits of your land shall belong to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. You're like, how did that get in there? That, had, that was an occult practice. God did not want them practicing pagan fertility rituals. But before that, the first of the first fruits you shall bring to the Lord. Listen, God didn't need anything they had. Do you think God needed the first of the first fruits so he could survive? Listen, God gave them the trees that brought forth those fruits. Practically, there was a reason for that. Practically, that went to the Levites whose job was to minister. Their job was to minister to the people. It was a full-time job. So they gave of their first fruits and practically the Levites were able to minister to the people. The Levites were blessed and then the people were blessed for the ministry that came from the Levites as God endowed them to represent him and to teach people the word of God and so forth. But notice the first of the first fruits you shall give to the Lord. And again, I, I, I run into these, to, to a lot of ignorant people that say, well, listen, that's an Old Testament thing. God hasn't called us to give to a, of, of them first today. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things? He talks about material things before that. Well, I seek first the kingdom of God. Well, do you give of your first fruits? No, then you're not seeking them first, Period. Don't deceive yourself and say that you do when you don't. That's where a lot of folks are. Again, judge yourself. I don't know who gives what here, and I don't want to know that. That would not be healthy for me. God knows, though, and a bookkeeper and a couple other people, and they're 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 all good. They they you know what? They're all good. But this is just the truth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This isn't said tonight. This isn't being taught tonight to put a yoke on anyone, a burden on anyone. But perhaps some of you don't give them of your first to him. The Lord's calling you to step out of faith. Don't do it begrudgingly. Listen, 2 Corinthians 9 6. But I say this He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not to be done begrudgingly, out of necessity. Again, God always provides, but this is opportunity for blessing. This is opportunity to to have the blessings of obedience. You know what? Again, God's going to provide our needs, but it's even the more so the blessings that come with that abundance of obedience. Of the Spirit of God working in your life. And if you don't want to give of your first to the Lord, I'm going to guarantee you're going to quench the Holy Spirit of God. You just are. Oh, Lord, fill me with your Spirit, but I don't want to give of my first to you. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Real good litmus test. Where my first go? That shows me where my heart is. But I feel, but I think, no matter what you feel or think. Listen, your checkbook tells you something there. And again, don't. I, I'm here teaching God's word. This is the word of God. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to soft serve it because someone might be offended. They talked about giving of their first. Listen, if you're offended, you're offended by the word of God. This is an opportunity to be blessed. And again, it, this is not a... a stirring people up because pastor steve needs a raise and a new car i'm taken care of by the lord if he wants to give me a new raise in a car i'm fine with that too but listen i'm just telling you there's blessings that come with obedience and i know this when folks step out and they start saying listen i'm gonna take a step it's amazing the praise reports that come from it we got to stop there we're we're at eight o'clock here I wanted to finish the chapter, but we'll finish it next week and and bang out the next one. But just good things here for us tonight. I mean, God is so good. Indeed, He is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, is He not? Heavenly Father, we bless You this evening. We praise You. We thank You for time in Your Word tonight, time of fellowship. We thank You, Lord, for the Lord's Supper, for worship Lord, I just pray these things, Lord, that we looked at could be taken and considered, tested by the Scriptures, absolutely. I just want to pray, God, that, um, again, Lord, if there's any that that want to worship with empty hands, God, that, that, Lord, they would take this before you, God, that they would wrestle with this stuff, that they wouldn't just quickly dismiss it. I know the enemy wants to keep them from being blessed. I know the enemy wants to keep them from being spiritually endowed with an unction of the Holy Spirit. We know without faith it's impossible to please you. So Lord, just bestow that faith on us. And again, Lord, you have abundantly blessed us, Lord. You are so good to us. We just need you, God can do nothing without you. And listen, tonight, if you haven't called on the name of the Lord, we've talked about sin, we've talked about salvation tonight. Jesus Christ stands ready to wash you and cleanse you. But you need to call on Him to be your Lord, which means you have to renounce whatever your Lord is. It ain't you bring your way before the Lord, it's you saying, I'm ready to die to myself and my sin, and I'm asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. It's not some prayer that you recited sometime. And someone said, you're good now. It's saying, Jesus, I am ready. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. And so I am, I am, again, I am renouncing these things that I worship and I do. It's no longer I do what's right in my own eyes. God, help me to, to walk in what you've called me to do. And again, it's by grace through faith, trusting in him, calling on him. If you haven't, listen, today's the day of salvation. He'll meet you with all this. Listen. Even tonight, if, with, with your first, God wants to empower you in that, strengthen you in that. And he will. He's good. He abounds in goodness. So we thank you tonight. We bless you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name, and we said together, amen. God bless you.